2: Welcome to The Table. We discuss the issues of God and culture. Uh, I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director for Cultural Engagement at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And my guest today is Jerita Williams, who is Student Body President here at Dallas Theological Seminary. And you're halfway through your term, I guess. So yes, how's it going?
3: It's going pretty pretty good. <laughs>
2: okay. Keeps you busy?
3: Oh, my word. Yes, it does. <laughs> a good busy. A, a good busy.
2: busy? It okay, yeah. good busy? And okay, that's good. And how far along are you in the program here at Dallas?
3: So this is my third year in the THM okay. program, so I'm almost there. I okay. see the light at the end you of the tunnel. You do zone. see the light. I, well,
2: sometimes I ask third-year students, and they're not quite so sure if there's a light at the end oh, of the I'm tunnel. Sure. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, <laughs> that's good. Well, I'm glad you're living with that eschatological hope. That's a good thing.
3: <laughs> Indeed.
2: Yeah. So we've asked Jarita in here because she um, presents Over a student chapel that we had um, uh, a few weeks ago, in which she walked us through her family background, which I think is interesting because we're going to talk a little bit about life as an African American in America, and a little bit about uh, about how within the church we can do a better job of communicating with one another, uh, having come from different backgrounds and being of of different races, that our oneness in Christ is something that uh, that helps to drive us together and and to work uh, towards that and to do a better job of it because our default doesn't necessarily mean that it works uh, so well and our history can show that. And so we thought a journey through uh, through that kind of history with a specific example and then a, just a conversation between the two of us uh, would be a good thing. We've been working together on on these issues here on campus for a while, and then uh, there's been an ongoing conversation between the Hendricks Center and many of our students about this. We're now, I think, well into our third year and having that conversation as well. So it's it's part of a larger Discussion that, that exists on our campus that we think um, is an attempt to model um, in church context the, the kind of conversations we can have.
3: Yeah, so that's the hope.
2: Yeah. And and we really do appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Well, and it's my on honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's let's dig back. We're going to go back mm-hmm. into the genealogy. So how you know this is actually an interesting question to ask anybody. Uh, how far back are are you aware of your family roots? I mean, how far back can you go?
3: Yeah. So. Uh, On my uh, maternal side, on my mother's side, um, we can go back four generations Mm -hmm. um, to my great-great-grandfather. And on my dad's side, we go back to my Mm great-grandfather. So um, it's interesting because I do have a cousin who does a wonderful job with keeping us um, abreast of – Every family has one of us. (laughs) Absolutely. And he is is just amazing with um, just keeping the books – Mm-hmm. And our genealogy up to date so that um, we'll just know, you know, where we, co- where we came from as much as possible. But I think the, the beauty of it is, um, as a, a black American mm-hmm. who descended from um, people who were enslaved, um, we had an oral tradition mm-hmm. that was handed down and he took it upon himself to... Um, Write it down for us from a cousin um, that continued to tell the story over and over again at every reunion that we had, and um, so he just um, did a wonderful job with uh, making sure we had had it written down so that uh, people like me, uh, cousins <laughs> like me, uh, could read it and could understand it, and my nieces could um, can now take hold of that as well. Yeah,
2: yeah, and you know, I the, I wasn't planning to discuss this, but it's an mm-hmm. interesting point. The whole orality aspect of how we pass on. Family traditions. I mean, because you know, I, in our family, we don't have a. There's no Bach book anywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, but mm-hmm. um, but we had an aunt. We had an aunt who has traced my the family on my uh, wife's side back uh, fifteen generations. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. when, and actually, um, back in the days of of when Max first came out. Okay, yeah. so this is back <laughs> in the eighties and nineties. Oh, yeah. Um put together a series of eight by 11 sheets and did a genealogical tree which she then they, she had lithographed into a full mm. thing that's on our back wall in our in our dining room mm. and with a little, Capsuled story for each person for whom she had information.
3: Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. So,
2: uh, yeah, it is. In fact, people walk into our house and uh, they walk into our dining room and it's sitting on the back wall and they go, What is
4: that? What is that? Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a tree like you've never seen before. It is. So, -hmm. so, yeah. And, And it was all a combination of. Of people who sat down and recorded these little snippets that you're talking about that yeah. were used to be passed on uh, orally. So, yeah. uh, so that's fascinating. So, so let's let's talk about uh, talk about your family and uh, which I'll let you decide whether you talk about your dad's side or your mom's side. <laughs> hey, you you get oh, the... I
3: have let's talk about both. Okay, got,
2: <laughs> no, but which first?
3: Uh, I will talk about my, my mom's first. That's okay, kinda, that's kind of how I um. um Entered into it for the chapel. Uh-huh. Um, when I was thinking about the genealogy, I thought about Christ, our Redeemer, um, embodied, right? And so um, part of my hope is that the embodiment of who I am mm-hmm. as uh, an African American or a or black um, female, uh-huh. um, me being present wherever I am, whether it's in church, whether it's at DTS, whether it's um, in the grocery store, that the embodiment of who I am is a, is a story of contemporary um, history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, starting with my mother other side and um. So, my mother is the daughter of Gesson and George Gibson. Mm-hmm. George is the son of Morgan Gibson, and Morgan is the son of George Papa Gibson. Okay. And that's as far as I know that we can go back. So when you George, say
2: Papa, you're at the top <laughs> of the line. Huh? <laughs> no, I didn't,
3: I didn't know Papa Gibson, uh-huh. but that's who, you know, okay. as, as the story goes along, um, that's who they call him, because there were several Georges, including my grandfather. Uh-huh. So, um, to distinguish between um, uh-huh. the Georges, uh-huh. and so um, George Gibson... Uh, with a P, actually, mm-hmm. um, was uh, uh, enslaved,
4: uh-huh. and
3: so he was sold um, from North Carolina into um, Hale County, mm-hmm. Alabama, uh-huh. which is where I'm from. I'm from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is in Hale County,
4: okay.
3: um, but as um, slavery was abolished in 1865, um, around that time, he and, um, and Violet Hearns, uh, he was sold into the Hearns, or I'm sorry, to Tate Evans. In Hale County, Alabama, mm-hmm. up on, uh, on that farm or on that plantation, and um, but worked in the Hearns community mm-hmm. in Hale County. And mm-hmm. so, um, uh, as slavery was abolished, the institution was abolished. They uh, got married, and then they moved to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is where I am from. So,
2: are we in the middle of the eighteen hundreds? How far back are we? Uh-huh. Going?
3: About eighteen hundreds right just before the 1800s um, okay. so he was sold at seven years old okay um, from North Carolina and so we'd say maybe about uh 1780s um, up until um, the 1800s I'm, I'm assuming um, okay
2: so this goes all the way back just about to where the to the founding of our country almost
3: apps absolutely I, which I think is imperative for us to remember it's uh-huh. not that far. Um, back and I know it seems like we are a an old country, but we are not. No, you know? no. You go to Europe.
2: You go to Europe. <laughs> yes, and you know that immediately. You know, absolutely. You walk absolutely. To the United States. You know, company since uh, 1885. You go back to in Europe, and it's we've been here since 1053. Yeah. You know? Or you so, go to Africa, yeah, exactly. uh, countries
3: in Africa, and you understand how. Um, just how young we are, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of the the going back um, through through my genealogy is so important and imperative for us to understand. Is because um, the implications are still being um, played out. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's why it's important for us to kind of walk through it as um, a verbal embodiment of um, the history.
2: So, uh, so this early generation, uh, uh, he ended up. Um, becoming a, a free man, a freedman I did. guess.
3: Mm-hmm. He did.
2: Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and and people uh, may or may not understand how um, how slavery itself worked. Uh, I've been to South Africa where we kind of been, get on the other end of the story, if you will, and uh, how, how people were literally – and this was happening around the world in different places where people were literally being taken out of the – context in which they lived put on boats and brought over and they were regarded as um, more as property than as people.
3: Not more as property yeah, is. I mean, that's no, right. not more. That's I mean, right. absolutely chattel. Yeah. yeah, and so chattel is, um, you know, capitalism. Mm-hmm. And so the commodity were black bodies. Mm-hmm. And so um, just remembering that the Imago Day for for those of us who who trust in Christ um, and believe in the Triune God, um, the Imago Day was. Um, was violated, and mm-hmm. so on, on multiple levels, mm-hmm. and so I think reckoning with that, um, helping us to understand that, we um, have to re- to recognize that um, that that's the history, that's my history, and that's mm-hmm. American history. It's mm-hmm. not just Black history. It's not just Jarita's history. It's American history, and that and that we, um, I think, as America, we can be a historical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I think um, really clouds the way that we see um, the implications that play out in our contemporary history. And so um, this remembering the middle passage, remember the, the, the triangle of, of trade of, of black bodies um, didn't just um, happened here in, in North America, but um, throughout the dias- diaspora, we just happen to understand what the truth is about that, and mm-hmm. how can we restore shalom to um, the shalom that was violated.
2: mm mm-hmm. And, of course, as I mentioned, this was happening globally. I, I remember uh, uh, I befriended this last trip to South Africa, uh, uh, got to know an African pastor very, very well who ministers in the Cape Town area. In fact, we've done his testimony here on the – on the table, we haven't released it yet, but uh, but anyway, uh, and he he has done the same thing with his family. He's mm-hmm. traced his family back. And in the midst of telling the story of his family and some of his relatives, there were people who were brought over from India into Africa with the same kind of, in the same kind of way. So it's uh, we sometimes think this is just an American issue, but it actually was uh, something that was going on globally. Mm -hmm. And that uh, let's talk a little about the impact of this because part of what we want to look at is the impact of what the historical story tells us. and uh, what, when people are treated not as people but as mm-hmm. part of commerce, um, it, the, the problem becomes the dynamics of what that means for the relationships and for the families that are involved because people are moved around and family units are not kept intact necessarily, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so it produces a very dis- socially disruptive way for a segment of our society to be living.
3: Mm-hmm. I think that's the the part where um I can personally speak into uh, because my my great great grandfather George Papa Gibson was sold at seven. Mm-hmm. And so his mother, um, the story that we have is is that his mother um, could only give him um, a thread and, and needle, mm-hmm. a needle and thread. And so um, if you ever see us, most of the time, if we have a reunion, we have a needle and a thread on our shirts because that's the only thing that he at seven years old had um, when he, he sold um, hundreds of miles away from his mother. Mm-hmm. And so not only that, but his father had nothing that he could say about it because uh-huh. he didn't belong um, to the. The right family or he um, wasn't um, seen as a man and so mm-hmm. he couldn't save or lead his family. Mm-hmm. I think those are some of the things that when we're when we're entering to um, evangelicalism, specifically white evangelicalism, and, and we have a certain structure of what a family should look like, we mm-hmm. have to go back and look at what um, uh, the institution of slavery has done for us. And so when we say that, you know, it was a global um, institution or as a global a movement um, with with slavery or people being enslaved. We have to remember that, you know, for America, um, we're this the only unique country that was built on that kind of uh, supremacy. That mm-hmm. only only built on enslaving an entire people only for the color of their skin, mm-hmm. not because they were spo- uh, spoils from war or anything like that, it's because they were um, brought here for the very reason to be enslaved. Mm-hmm. That's it. So that's I think the difference um, that we have to um, wrestle with and and have to um, ensure that we understand the difference between um, any other um, country I think.
4: Mhm.
2: So so he was uh, sold into sla- uh, slavery at seven and and then i the other end of the story i guess is is that he was freed on the other end uh, yeah. mm-hmm. um uh, which and, and so there was a family there there was a family that came out of, of that was, process, yes. mm-hmm. so the next generation was
3: so the next generation was Morgan so he married Violet Hearns and they had uh, six children
4: mm-hmm.
3: and of those six children Morgan is my great grandfather okay. and so from Morgan and um, uh, Leela Royster, they uh, married and then they had my granddaddy mm-hmm. George Papa Gibson he just um, left us in two thousand mm-hmm. and nine at ninety two and so um the, the beauty, I think, of um, of how God restores and redeems even out of an evil institution like um, chattel slavery in America is that uh, we thrive. Mm-hmm. And so my, my great-grandfather had the opportunity um, to purchase land after he was free. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that goes back to, to um, how can the church um, look into some of the things that um, – were taken from people, Mm -hmm. um, whole groups of people, not just individuals um, in order to uh, restore and repair those systems that um, continue to keep People like my family um, enslaved and oppressed. And so by the grace of God, um, even even today, there's a Gibson town mm-hmm. um, in Tuscaloosa. Mm. And um, there was a community that was set up by uh, my great grandfather, Morgan, and, and his brothers and cousins. Um, they built a church, um, mm. an African-American uh, church, St. Paul, that mm. my uh, aunt still attends. Uh. Uh, yeah. And so I think that's part of the um, the 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 framework for theology that African Americans had, um, mm-hmm. even though um, there there were violations of of their entire beings, mm-hmm. um, they still praised and worshiped the true and living God, mm-hmm. and I think that's a theology that we have to look at mm-hmm. um, in order for us to have a holistic view mm-hmm. of what theology uh, means in in America.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'll, we'll come back to this, but one of the interesting features of this, this is a little sidebar, is, um, is thinking through uh, how far back a person's reach is historically, again, talking about orality. Yeah. Um, you knew your granddad. Who, I did. And and so I imagine you probably had some conversations about about some of your family oh, with absolutely. him, yeah. and so he, as you said, he died at ninety two. So he goes back pretty far, and mm-hmm. the people that he knows, they go mm-hmm. back pretty far. Mm-hmm. So what it's what I call the ancestral reach in mm-hmm. orality mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. Um, I had. In in my house, someone she wasn't a relative, but she helped raise me, mm-hmm. who could take me back to the latter part of the 1800s with mm-hmm. the stories that mm-hmm. that they were aware of. And then my wife had a grandmother who lived to be uh, just over a hundred. She could take you back almost to the Civil War, mm-hmm. and, and with people she knew who lived then. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. you know, so we uh, it's what I call the reach, and the reach mm-hmm. goes back. Uh, sometimes a century or more, mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's an interesting feature of the dynamics of how this works. Yeah. So um, so let's so your granddad formed this community and and was uh, came out of a Christian background. One of the interesting things uh, that you that we can get into and that I think is 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 fascinating about African American culture is is the way in which hymns work in the life oh, yeah. of people and mm-hmm. and. The types of things that are sung about and the way in which um, God is addressed in the midst of the situation in which the African American community found itself. Right. Um. And and so, uh, so when you talk about worship in the midst of this, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're 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 serious about that.
3: Oh, serious indeed. Uh, Harriet Tubman is one of my favorite people, um, in history. And um, when I think about um, how she was a liberator um, called Moses by the people who um, she freed, I, I think about, um, you know, people who are in my lineage. I don't have to go to someone like Harriet Tubman to
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, to be a hero for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I remember how I. Um, My grandfather, because I didn't know his dad, but how my grandfather um, sang and how he prayed and that had to come from um, a lineage of picking cotton Mm -hmm. in the fields. Um, My dad, the same way, Um, some of the hymns that they would um, they would line. They would call lining a hymn um, in the church. And um, there was a call and response that I didn't appreciate as much Mm -hmm. when I was a child. I wish I would have. um, I wish I would have drawn out of my granddaddy more than I did. He was he was a he was a, a quiet kind of mild man.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, didn't do a whole lot of talking about himself. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about George Gibson, my mom's dad, uh-huh. um, didn't do a whole lot of talking about himself. But he shared um, some of the stories about um, what the white man did. Mm-hmm. And, and there was actually, yes, the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, there. So there's this. So there's this um, innate distrust Mm -hmm. of white people um, for for good reason and um, there's this I I appreciate my granddaddy because he remained um, um, AME which -hmm. was the church that that uh, he and his cousins and Brothers built um, St. Paul AME, um, and so
2: for people who don't know what AME is, what oh, is African Methodist okay, Episcopal, okay. Episcopal,
3: and that is a denomination that had to be um, founded because um, you know uh, black people weren't accepted into um, mainstream uh, majority culture denominations mm-hmm. of, of church, and and so there was a, a founding of um, or a building of that church with uh, my great grandfather Morgan and his brothers and. Um, I, I what I appreciate, though, about um, them passing on that that lineage of salvation um, is that it just traces us back to. Um, what God calls us to do and how Jesus um, gave the word to to the apostles and the apostles gave it to um, this lineage of people who continue to orate and continue to tell about this savior and continue to tell about who Jesus was and eventually is written down. And mm-hmm. so I and every time I read the lineage of Christ as we're entering into the, se- the season of Advent, mm-hmm. I think about my own lineage and how the embodiment of who we are testifies to the history of our, our wounds and our pains and also of the, the victories that, that God did bring us through but um to see my grandfather and to hear the voice and to hear the words and they still come back to me today um on on so many levels in dallas texas Mm -hmm. um to hear those uh prayers that he would pray over us um how he encouraged me to enter into ministry he believed that i uh, that i could preach the word he Mm -hmm. did not um skirt around it and um so i think that um the power that god brought us through um it just speaks to the grace of god even out of um the misery of um a history of slavery
2: so um so we're we're uh, a few generations in here, and uh, and we've talked about the formation of this this community, really, mm-hmm. that your is grandfather it was responsible for your great grandfather great grandfather. Okay. well,
3: I would say so. When George Papa Gibson uh-huh. married uh, Violet, they came to Tuscaloosa and established this uh, community. And uh-huh. so um, those six children um, received land, uh-huh. and um, we still have that land to today. Uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's move to the next generation. And, and this is, I take it, this is your. Okay, I'm not sure whether we're to your granddad or to your dad. Um, uh, let's talk about both of them, uh, your granddad and your dad.
3: Okay, so on my dad's side? Yeah. Okay, so we're moving Whichever, on the paternal which, side? <laughs> yeah, we can,
2: we can shift <laughs> no gears. Is, yeah. that, is that where the story picks up on the other side of the family? On the other
3: side of the family, okay. sure. And right. so my dad um, was raised in Demopolis – well, he was born in Catopa, Alabama, uh-huh. and um, raised in Demopolis, um, Alabama.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so um, – my dad's my dad's dad is Robert Hines and then my, my dad's mother is Lucille Shelton mm. Lucille Williams Shelton. Mm-hmm. And so my dad wasn't raised with his um father. He never mm-hmm. knew him. Mm. Um he was raised with his grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um he was raised with Ike and Laura Williams. Okay. So Ike and Laura Williams, um, were sharecroppers. More so Ike. Um Laura had um Oh, did she have 12 children? Hmm. So this is my dad's grandmother and grandfather. Okay. And so um, they were sharecroppers.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Grieve, Breathe, Receive, Finding a Faith Strong Enough to Hold Us, written and narrated by Pastor Steve Carter. Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Those three words became a profound mantra for Steve Carter during a season of deep healing the kind that comes after painful trauma grieve breathe receive is available everywhere audiobooks are sold visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more welcome back to
2: the table we discuss issues of god and culture my guest is jarita williams our uh, current student body president here at dallas theological seminary we're discussing um, really, Jarita's family, and, and uh, her family history is a kind of a, a lens into uh, an African American life in a way that helps us to understand some of the dynamics that we that we have faced and that we currently face, in, in interacting with one another, on level of race in the context of the church, and we're thinking through, uh, just just hearing the story and and what that means, and as a way of gaining some understanding about the way in which um, the African American experience is different uh, than the experience of many, and so and then how that imp- impacts the way we interact with each other. So we were, I think, at your. Granddad on your dad's side.
3: Granddad on my dad's.
2: Okay, side. all right. I'm I'm trying to keep this in my head, which is. <laughs> you did <do very> good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so let's say we were we were talking about sharecropping. So mm-hmm. let's, what you know, uh, for people who don't know what sharecropping is, what what was sharecropping?
3: Yeah. So. Um, in 1865, uh, the institution of slavery um, was abolished. Um, however, in Texas, you know, it yeah. came a little later,
4: uh-huh.
3: um, but there are still um, ways to keep um, black people um, continually in, oppressed and, and really enslaved. And so sharecropping was a part of that. Um, the the 40 acres in a mule that was promised to people who were enslaved who were black um, were promised 40 acres in a mule. hmm. And uh, some of them received that from um, the government. Um, I think about a million maybe um, may have received um, those reparations. Um, But at the same time, there were there were millions that did not receive anything. Mm -hmm. Um, However, those who did receive um, those 40 acres were uh, told that they would have to give um, that land back. Um, and they had to move off of that land. And if they refused or if they um, said that they wouldn't move or if they um, were going to stand their ground, um, they were removed by the government. Mm. And so um, that land, they said uh, one of the first acts that Andrew jo- uh, Andrew Jackson at the time, the um, president at the time, um, said that uh, one of the first acts. Um, one of the first amendments that he made was for them to return that land to its previous owners, hmm. and so um, that started a, a. So it was
2: given and taken away.
3: Given and taken away, yeah, and and you know, for those of us who understand um, autonomy of economics, mm-hmm. um, land is is definitely a part of that, and so owning the land um, for African Americans was imperative for us to. Um, to start to build our own autonomy and economics, mm-hmm. and so um, we spent two hundred and twenty odd years enslaved, mm-hmm. working the lands of white owners, mm-hmm. white, white people who um, were were in, were enslaving people. Who were black, and they were told that they had to give that give that land back, and so uh, my grandfather ended up being one of those who shared the crops, Mm -hmm. and so um, the 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 man who owned the land was a white man, and he um, he had all of the supplies and. He had everything that my grandfather needed in order to work the land, um, and so he was being paid, but he would always be paid in imbalance. In, in and so year after year, my, my grandfather was working to get out of this debt that he could never get out, or my great-grandfather um, was um, a- attempting to work out of this debt to get out of. So
2: in effect, he was uh, – make sure I understand this – in effect, he was renting the supplies he and he needed to supplies. raise, and, and it was mm-hmm. done at a level in which he couldn't keep up with the Absolutely. size of the rent, mm-hmm. uh, renting. The materials by what he was able to earn,
3: and also renting the house. So okay. the, the home that they lived on was on the land. So it was everything, absolutely, their whole livelihood was on that um, on that really plantation still. Mm-hmm. And so um, my, my my dad was one of the one of their grandchildren that was raised with them, and they had twelve children of their own, mm-hmm. and um, so they would uh, work the work the cotton fields. And, um, I remember my dad one of the stories that um I remember that he tells um more often than than the others is um he remembered one um one year at the end of the year um they they picked thirteen bales um mm-hmm. and they were supposed to be paid for thirteen bales and um the the man who owned the the property um told then they only had two hmm. and so those are the kind of things I think that when we're talking about contemporary implications mm-hmm. um had had my great great grandfather been paid,
1: mm-hmm.
3: had my great grandfather um, uh, come out of debt, been dealt with honestly, um, then there's no there's no uh, story that could be written that that could um, have the trajectory of where our family could be now.
2: Now I take it that the way in which this worked was is that he he said you only pick two. But this became part of what he then turned around and sold, so that he got the remaining eleven, if I'm doing my math right. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, and and so it's a double injustice.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: And I think I think back to um, what 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 the Lord says in Micah six eight in, in the Book of Proverbs, you know, unjust weights.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, and these aren't just people who are who don't know. Um, or who don't proclaim to be Christians. Mm-hmm. These are people who are deacons in churches, mm-hmm. pastors um, who in, who continue to enslave my great great grandfather on my mom's side and my great grandfather as a sharecropper. And so these are the these are the implications of a Black American woman who who lives with this story every single day of her life. Right, yeah. and
2: and you talked earlier about the distrust that sometimes exists, yeah. and that's where it comes from.
3: Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. And and we talk in my family, we talk about um. Segregation and integration—what they did—and we'll, we can mm-hmm. move forward a little bit in that uh, later, I guess. But. You know, we, we think about how um, we had communities um, because we were f- we, we had to um, communities of, of black people who were who were doing their thing, mm-hmm. who, who had their we had our own banks, we had our own grocery stores. Mm-hmm. We have our own um, businesses, funeral homes, because we were um, segregated. Mm-hmm. We, we, we were, it was the law. Mm-hmm. It was the law for um, black people to not read. My great my great grandmother, Ike's um, wife, Laura, um, she never read Mm-hmm she didn't know how to read or write but she knew the Lord mm-hmm. my, my dad now that's an oral tradition my dad always talks about mm-hmm. too he said she may not have known how to read or write her name but she knew the name of the Lord mm-hmm. and I think that those are the things that um, when, we, when we're when we walking through what theology is when we're walking through what reparations should look like um, we're thinking through the 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 actual stories of people it's not it's, we're not numbers the theories and, right. and we're not monolithic either my story isn't like everybody's that's story right. yeah, I, and so I'm, 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 I'm helping us, I'm hoping to help us um, as a church to mm-hmm. really look at what God says um, and to really look at people as people mm-hmm. um, individuals um, as well as corporately and really look at the systems because that was a system that was done by the government yeah that um, wasn't something that you know just one or two people did it was an actual system laws were passed um, in order to continue to subjugate um, black Americans yeah
2: I mean our our, our point and of course doing this is to put a face on all this to yeah. um, to uh, to become familiar Familiar with the story that I think many mm-hmm. people uh, don't and have never heard uh, mm-hmm. the side of, and who who don't understand what's under, what stands underneath certain words, um, mm-hmm. you know, they may have heard about slavery, but to actually think about what mm-hmm. that involved. They may have heard about sharecropping, but they may not understand what that actually involved, and mm-hmm. here are people who lived through it, this was their daily existence, mm-hmm. and and to see this happening on a regular basis and to watch it happen, yeah. and what that does in, in you know, in creating dysfunctional relationships, really, mm-hmm. um, uh, and so that's why we're that's why we're telling the story. Okay, so we've got your, mm-hmm. we've got I think we've got your granddads on both sides of your family covered. Let's go to your to your uh, to your parents on both sides of your family. So yeah. we so uh, again. You, Mother's side or father's <laughs> side, you get to make the call
3: well i'll start with my dad since. Okay. I start with my mom um my mom's side first and we we landed on my dad last okay. so uh, my dad, like I said he grew up with um with his grandparents and um it's it's uh, i'll start with a story actually um of something that i I just posted actually on my instagram uh <laughs> for for Thanksgiving I was just being grateful and I um took a picture of of um this log stack that my dad did and he mm. he did this every year that was growing mm-hmm. up he he has a a lot of a lot of of um firewood uh-huh in the back of our um, in the back of our home because he loves fire and, and so do I. Uh-huh. And um, I took a picture of that because it reminds me of his work ethic, mm-hmm. which he learned on an, a plantation, really, mm-hmm. from his grandfather. Mm-hmm. But that's the work ethic that has helped him and allowed him to be who he is today. And so my dad um, uh, met my mom. hmm. In, um in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my dad, um, his friend was dating my mom's sister and they ended up um, meeting um, when they were picked up. And so when when we think about this, though, I want us to think about the segregation that was in place at the time. My, mm-hmm. my parents were um, or my, my mom's and my mom and her sister and her and my grandmother um, went to go pick up my my, my dad and, and my dad's friend, who's now my uncle mm-hmm. or who's my uncle. Mm-hmm. And um, um, they were drinking still out of. Uh, colored water, water fountains mm-hmm. and white water fountains.
2: Yeah, now I live. I, 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 my may not look it, but I go back that far. So, <laughs> uh, so go ahead.
3: Yeah. So, um, so, so when when we're thinking about this, my my mom and my dad are uh, they're courting, mm-hmm. and they're having to court in in a system that segregates them from people who look like you, mm-hmm. and so. Um, they're not able to move as freely as you would Mm -hmm. as um, a a white American. Um, But they met and um, my dad was drafted into, um, well, they met while he was uh, in the army, but he was drafted into the army and so he went to Vietnam And I think 68 or 69. Yeah,
2: I remember the picture that you showed of him in his his military uniform Mm -hmm. in the chapel.
3: And that's one thing I also wanted to um, just celebrate with my father and my dad. Um, Many times when we think about veterans, we don't think about um, black veterans. Mm -hmm. We don't think about um, a man, my father, who was drafted Mm -hmm. by government Mm -hmm. who continued to keep him segregated. Mm -hmm. And I remember him telling this story about him returning from Vietnam. He said when he left, the signs were up. Mm-hmm. The, you know, uh, colored um, restrooms, colored water fountains, white water fountains, white restrooms. But when he returned, the signs had come down because he returned in 70 and then he married my mom in mm-hmm. August of 70. And so... I remember him saying the signs had come down visibly, but it was still an invisible, you know, your place Mm -hmm. so much so that he he um, he received a job. He Mm -hmm. got a job not received it. He got a job at a meatpacking company and he and uh, a white co-worker had gone to uh, get lunch. Mm -hmm. And when he uh, got to the establishment, they told the white man that he can get his lunch at the counter here. But he my dad had to go to the back of the establishment to get his lunch. Mm -hmm. And so now. The laws had been passed. Jim Crow, Jane Crow, um, um, were supposedly to be um, abolished, but the invisible the systems remained. were still yeah, I, there. Yeah,
2: I, 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 I'm sure you know who Dorothy Burton is, who's sure. who graduated mm-hmm. the seminary, and mm-hmm. she's told she grew up in East Texas, mm-hmm. and she tells almost the exact same story uh, yeah. uh, about about when she go went to get meals and that the the, the uh, the white people would come in the front, right, and uh, and the blacks were at the back door, mm-hmm. and that was how they got. That was how they were fed at the at the at the restaurant. Right. So, it's um, you know, it's a it's it's actually amazing to to realize that uh, it has gone on, has gone on, and is in some cases is going on that long. Yeah. That, um mm-hmm. That. Uh, that it, it's still the case. Um, I'm aware of n- numerous stories like the one that you've told, where um, here the whites go in the front door and the mm-hmm. blacks are, are in a different place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and the irony of that, of course, is the uh, the fact that here's your dad, um, as you said, drafted by the government, fought mm-hmm. in. I take it in Vietnam. In Vietnam mm-hmm. and. and um, Fighting for the very freedoms that we're talking about, mm-hmm. and this is what he comes home to.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: see, these are the receipts that I'm, I'm hoping that America uh, uh-huh. understands, uh-huh. Uh, because not, on, not only is it the, the government, but the integration and the conflation, I think, of the government in religion, mm-hmm. and the government and Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I'm, 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 I'm hoping that, um, not, not just white Americans, but, um, but that all of us will have a. A, a firm understanding, a, a better grasp of of the history, in order for us to point to Christ, mm-hmm. in order for us to decentralize whiteness and mm-hmm. to centralize Christ, mm-hmm. in order for the body to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm thinking about some of the some of the the missionaries and some of the theologians that we hail that in, that enslaved um, people who look like me. And so, my dad is coming back home to a, a home mm-hmm. where in, in in the world he didn't have to be segregated. He mm-hmm. didn't have to be separated. But when he returns home, you know, he's returning home to a segregated Alabama. Mm-hmm. And and I remember um you know this, or remember this is only you know about you know six or seven years removed from 1963. You mm-hmm. know when um, um, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King is jailed in Birmingham. Mm-hmm.
1: These
3: these eight clergymen, white clergymen, are they're telling him follow the law, follow the order. And the law at that time was black people, you are still inferior. Black people, you are separated, separate but equal. And I remember my Mom just we were just talking about this the other day. Um, th- that separate but equal. Um, when when they were in in their schools were in, you know, outhouses, sometimes mm-hmm. their their schools were um, they didn't receive the same amount of funds. And mm-hmm. that still continues today in our educational right. systems, yeah. you know. And so what we have to um, remember is that this isn't something that's in the vacuum where mm-hmm. we're living today isn't in a vacuum. This happened uh, strategically and intentionally mm-hmm. in order for um, um, a particular group to remain in power and a particular particular group to remain oppressed and and subjugated. And so, you know, when my father's coming back home into these systems, it's not far removed from, um, you know, George Wallace standing in the door of the University of Alabama, five, five point five miles from where I grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that was only 14 years before I was born. Mm -hmm. And so when we're thinking through those things, this is a this is a the the subculture mm-hmm. that Jarita lives in every single day. See,
2: and I remember growing up and watching all that happen on television. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, we you know we I was in Texas, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but we you know the whole civil rights movement unfolded in, in my as as I was. Uh, hitting my teen years basically and um, just watching that happen and trying to come to grips with uh, and I did not grow up in a Christian home Mm -hmm. but just trying to come to grips with the way people would treat other people and and there was a sense of there's something here that's that's not right Uh, Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's just there's something off and um and, and so, and, and in the context of the church where we are, you know, the great reconciliation passage probably in the New Testament is Ephesians 2 mm-hmm. 11 to 22, where you watch Jew and Gentile who had a history yeah. of great division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Gentiles tried to wipe, wipe uh, the Jewish religion off the face of the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not And we're not talking the Holocaust here. Mm-hmm. This is back in the Maccabean War. And so. Uh, and and yet here is Christ coming in and and saying no Jews and Gentiles were designed by God in His program of salvation to live and work together. That's right. And to and and, and uh, I love the little there's a little Greek prefix. You, you're gonna smile when I say it's a little <laughs> Greek prefix soon. Soon,
4: not new. <laughs> <laughs> yes with, yeah it's uh-huh. coming
2: soon mm-hmm. but it' doesn't, but it doesn't mean it's it coming means it's soon it means, soon. means it's right. coming together mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, so you're sitting here talking about how 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 God can take broken hearts yeah. and meld them together with enough mutual respect and sensibility and sensitivity and, and listening and engagement that they actually do begin to work to come together and to see, um, and respond to the things that are going on in such a way uh, that that the whole body of Christ is affirmed. Absolutely. And uh, um, and so uh, so I think it's an important part of the overall story um, to think through that and to face up to the fact that that there are things that still go on that are, are reflections of what has gone on. Because most people have have made a move, I think, in their minds that we have moved out of that. But yeah. we, and it, and it's one of those we have and we haven't. Some mm-hmm. things have changed; mm-hmm. science mm-hmm. came down, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But some things have not changed. The separation still exists.
1: Absolutely. And
2: so. Um, uh, and so that's part of what's important uh, in thinking through the, uh, the awareness of what of what we're talking about here. So, so we're talking about your your uh, dad. What about your mom? You've, you've yeah. mentioned her in some <laughs> conversations. So I, yeah. I take it y'all have talked a lot about this stuff. Oh, absolutely.
3: Well, see, this is the experience of of um, of, of of me growing mm-hmm. up in Alabama, growing up with parents mm-hmm. who. Who, who was not afraid of of our history, who's not ashamed of our history, mm-hmm. um, who made sure my siblings and I understood exactly who we are and who, where we came from. And um, so I have, I have a mother who loves history and mm-hmm. I have a father who um, who loves history and appreciates um, where we where we've been and where we are now. And um, I just wanted to say about um, my, my parents courting in, mm-hmm. in a system um, that really would try to keep them apart really um, w- really doesn't celebrate black love, really mm-hmm. doesn't celebrate. Being uh, married. And and you have to remember too that in in, um, the institution of slavery, um, it wasn't even legal for for black people to be married in the system of government. And so um, just remembering those things and and God uh, bringing. My parents together is I think it's a beauty a beautiful tapestry of um, of his grace and his mercy, um, but yeah I remember George Wallace um, standing or I don't remember but George mm. Wallace standing in the door but he also for his ina- inaugural address said that uh, segregation today segregation um, tomorrow segregation forever and that reminds me of scripture reminds me of Jesus Christ yeah, today yesterday heard and that forever speech. yeah yeah and yeah. so my parents are growing up and they're right there in Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. That's something that's removed. And so my mother, um, when when um, doc, I mean, not doctor, but George Wallace stood in, in that door of the University of Alabama. My mother was going to Steelman College, mm-hmm. which is a, an African-American or uh, HBCU, a historically black
1: mm-hmm. college
3: and university. And those were established because we couldn't get into mm-hmm. um uh, University of Alabama is not because we weren't qualified to get into mm-hmm. it. And remember it was illegal for slaves to read or write. Mm-hmm. And so the qualifications see these are the systems that can keep you out exactly. and so the qualifications yep. to get into a University of Alabama, of course you couldn't get in because the the educational system was imbalanced. Mm-hmm. And so my mother went to uh, Stillman College. And she um, ended up uh, when she was pregnant with me, she ended up going to the University of Alabama mm. and she um, got her um, her graduate degree or second graduate degree, actually, um, when she was pregnant with me. Mm. And so I think about that and I think about my mom and how she loves education, how she made sure that my parents, I mean, my siblings and I did well in school. And she got that from her dad, mm-hmm. her dad and her and my and her mom. They made sure that their children, my dad, my granddad worked. um I think about 40, I think she said about 47, 48 years mm-hmm. at um, the particular um, trucking company that he worked for. And he made sure that every time um, tuition was due for my my mom and her sisters and her brother that um, they had their part. And my mom does the same with me. <laughs> when I asked her about um, DTS mm-hmm. and how am I going to get to the next semester, she said, well, where's your part? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and so, um, but, but the, I think the, the, The tradition of working, Mm -hmm. the tradition of um, you have to do your part as well is definitely instilled in us. But when we think about that, we have to also think about the systems that intended to make sure we didn't get an education. Right. And so that's um, like I said, a five point five miles. I grew up from uh, around the corner from. Um, from the University of Alabama, and my mm-hmm. mom had um, a significant part in in who um, who we were in understanding those significances.
2: You know, it's interesting. We're we're, we're rapidly running out of time, which oh, is yeah. a little bit unfortunate. But uh, it, it strikes me how, in many ways how fortunate you've been to have mm-hmm. the kind of pedigree that that you have that was. That persevered in the mm-hmm. midst of mm-hmm. all the things that we've been talking about, um, which wasn't the which isn't and wasn't the case for many. Exactly, and, I'm sure we uh, that. and 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 so the the way the structure worked is that a lot of people got beat down in the structure, uh, and mm-hmm. in in a way that was. Um, not healthy and didn't allow for the personal development and the personal flourishing and the way in which they could contribute the, their full potential, mm-hmm. uh, not just for their own lives, but for the sake of, of people around them. And so Dorita, uh, I really do thank you for coming in and telling us uh, your story. And uh, we, we've actually—I'm I'm, realizing—we only got a part and bits and pieces, sure. but that—but they are significant bits and pieces. They're they're tasty morsels, <laughs> if you will, uh, of what's going on. Yeah. And 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 I hope that people sense the kind of. Conversation that we're having that is that puts a face on what we're talking about. And it's part of what we're doing on campus. It's part of what we're trying to do to help understand one another and create a kind of uh, mutual um, understanding and respect for one another that allows us to show our oneness in Christ. So I thank you for helping us do that.
3: Today. Thank
1: you, Dr. Block. I appreciate it.
2: And we thank you for being a part of the table, and we hope you'll join us again soon.
1: Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.
0: This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.